As a college freshman, I was struggling. My relationship with Christ wasn't really mine. So I started attending fellowship and that's when it became real. I could feel God's presence. He was working in this church, even if I wasn't. Then I was asked to be an usher. I made up every excuse not to, but God convicted me, so I agreed. It was the best decision I could ever make. Serving was the piece of the puzzle I was missing because that's who Christ was. He came to serve, so I started serving and I started becoming more like Christ. Because this is what we do. This is who we are. This is us. At Fellowship of the Rockies, we want to see people encouraged, forgiven, set free, empowered, and serving in the way God designed them. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is us. This weekend, we're going to close out our series, This Is Us, and we're, we're looking at the last part, and the title of this message is, is Serving. And so I, I need to let you know, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about this subject, and maybe one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this subject is because I, I not only see the needs, I not only see the needs in a church, I see the needs in a community. And so Paul talked, and, and we talked about this when we launched this series together, that Paul talked about that we're designed to fit together perfectly when we're all serving, when we're all, we love one another, we're in community and all of those other things. And so this weekend, I want to talk to you about this issue of serving. And, and I tell you what, before, we, before, uh, before services, uh, on Saturday night, the, the worship team, we gather around, and, and I tell them a little bit about the sermon, and, and, and then we pray for you guys. And so that's what we do every week. You're prayed for as you're coming, before you come, when you're getting ready. Uh, you're being prayed for. And so I, as always, Pastor Chad said, hey, you know, what's the sermon? And I almost like preached the whole thing. I mean, I got so excited about it. Even, you know what I did uh, to try to just settle down? I walked around the block three times. I've exercised, Karen. Uh, I, I just realized. <laughs> It was an accident. <laughs> if I Listen, if you see me running, you better run too because something is chasing me. I'm telling you, you're in danger. Uh, I don't run. And so, and so, I, and so I, I, I just want to let you know that, that I'm pretty passionate about what I'm about ready to talk to you about. I've been passionate about every subject through this vision statement. I believe God has given us this statement. And I believe this is not only a statement for our church, but this is a statement for you personally. This isn't just something we do at church. This is, this is more than that. This is what we'd like to see happen in your, your, your families and in your lives and, and then together as a church. And so it, it may seem like a, a weird text that I've selected in this issue of, of serving uh, when I read it to you in just a few minutes. And so let me explain that. This, this, this verse that I'm going to read and that I'm going to preach tonight, it's just, it's just two verses is all we're really going to look at tonight. And it is really turned out to be my life verse. It was, when I became a Christian, for whatever reason, God led me and I didn't even know it was God leading me at the time. I'm just like a new Christian, and I learned, you know what? You're supposed to, Christians memorize Scripture. That's what Christians do. And so all of, all of my buddies, they're, they're choosing other Scripture, and I chose, I chose this one. 
I chose this. And as I look back over my life as a Christian, I realized, I realized 10 years ago, I even know it even in a deeper way now than I did 10 years ago, that, oh, no, this just wasn't a verse I memorized. This is a, ver- this is a life verse. This is a verse that God, would, God knew that I would need over and over and over and over in my life and in my, in my ministry because he knew. He knew my story before I ever knew my story. And he gave me this verse. And so, so here's the verse. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says this, And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap, if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. And especially to those who are in the household of faith. In other words, Paul Paul was honest with the church there in Galatia. He was honest enough to say, you know what? You may be tempted to get weary. You may be tempted to get tired. You may even be tempted to come to the place where you you just want to cash it in. You just want to give up, especially in this area of, of serving. And listen, this, this isn't only true of our church. This is true. Listen, this is true of every church in America. You, you can go to every church in America, and what you find is, is there's, there's a lot of people that have the testimony of, I, there was a time in my life that I served, and I no longer serve. There, there was a time. There was a time that I got involved in ministry, and there was a time that I served. But something happened. I mean, I got tired. I got exhausted. I got weary. That word, that word become weary. That word in the Greek become, it's a process. It's a slow process to where at the end you may not even know it's happening. I got hurt. They made a decision that I didn't like. And so you know what I did? I, I quit. I don't serve anymore. And there's another group of people they're like new Christians, and they're like coming into the faith, and they're like, I've, I've never served. I, I, I don't know if I can serve. And so Paul is, this is an imperative in the Greek, and Paul is like, I'm asking you not to grow weary in doing good. And you know what he says this? He said one of the main reasons, the reasons he gives, and we're going to look at this in a little bit, the reason he gives is this. Because you'll reap a harvest, I mean, there, there's a, he talks about a reward system. There, there's, like, there's like this blessing. In other words, if you don't give up at the end of your life, you're going to be glad you didn't give up. You're going to be glad that you were steadfast in your faith. You're going to be glad that you didn't become weary in, in doing good. What is, this, what is this doing good stuff? What did, what did Paul have in mind when he talked about doing good. And so verse 10 gives us some some insight. And let me read it. It's not going to come up on the screens, but just let me read it. It says, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So anyone, you know what he says? You do good to everyone and those in the church. In other words, our ministry inside, outside the church, you don't, and you, you don't check your ministry at the doors when you leave. 
And there's two groups of people. There's one group of people that say, you know what? Ministry is only outside of the church. You do ministry in the church, it's just not as effective. So guess what? We're part of parachurch organizations. We're part of all these other organizations. And for, for us, serving is like outside the church. But Paul says it's, it's, it's both. Do good to everyone. And especially to those of like the household of faith. And so Paul, is, he's honest and he's saying it's possible. That people who are doing good, people who are serving, can get weary along the way and want to bail and want to quit. And because of this, good things that need to get done don't get done. Because there's no one willing to do them. That's why Paul says God's designed us as a church to fit together. And we fit together perfectly. And when we fit together perfectly, we work the way God intended us to work. And Paul is simply saying, would you just simply be the person that doesn't grow weary in doing good. I don't want to be that guy that does good for a little while and then bails and quits and then gets back on the wagon for a little bit longer and bails and quits. I won't stay in the game all the way into the all the way until the end. And I look at so many of you tonight that for decades you are not growing weary and doing good. Fact is, it's just the opposite. Something is like happening inside of you. And you're more passionate about what you do than when you started out and you follow God and you continue to serve Him with like this joy and like this excitement of the future. And many of you say one of the greatest joys and one of the greatest privileges of my life is being able to, to serve and see people blessed. I'm telling you, you talk, to, you talk to ministry partners that served our community. You talk to some of the ones that, that prayed with business leaders that prayed with people, they'll tell you things like this. And so, what is the secret? Because that's the big deal. What, what is the secret to not growing weary in doing good? To get to the place to where you're like exhausted, to get to the place to where you say, I'm, I'm going to cash it in. I'm just not going to do that. I, I think there's three secrets. I, I, I have them for you tonight. And the first secret is this, is practice spiritual disciplines. Practice spiritual disciplines. And when, when, when you come to that place in your life and you practice spiritual disciplines, you will operate out of an overflow of your life. In other words, if, in other words you're, like your spiritual tank will be full. And the, but the problem is, and we know this, right? The problem is, is everything in life fights against your spiritual practices. And so that's why I phrased it, practice spiritual disciplines, because it, it's, it's not just a practice, it's, it's a discipline. It's something that we have to discipline ourselves for. It, I've learned it's easy not to grow weary because, because we are operating out of an overflow of our spiritual life. But, but the problem is we, we can go through seasons, right? And there's, a, there's like a, a depletion rate. And you're no longer operating out of a spiritual overflow. Your spiritual tank or your spiritual bucket, if you will, may no the needle may no, no longer be sitting on like full. 
It may, it may be like half. And so you look at opportunities and you say, are you kidding me? You know what? I got my own problems. I got my own issues. I'm not even sure I have enough energy to give to someone else. I mean, my spiritual tank, it's like, it's like half. You know what real danger is? Is if that, if that needle bumps, bumps empty. To where you're looking at this. So, man, I, I, I'm in a hole so deep. I, I can't worry about someone else, and I can't worry about anyone else's problems. I mean, I've got to fix my own life. And let's just be honest here tonight. I've, I've experienced that. I tried to do ministry before. It was many, many years ago when, when I allowed my spiritual tank to get so depleted to where my wife said, you know, when are you, when are you going to get help? Or maybe you should just like go on a vacation by yourself and fix this thing. Just have like a spiritual retreat. I saw needs. I didn't even care. You know what happened for me? I hope this is okay to say. It's not in my notes. You know when the Columbine shooting happened? You're probably like me and you remember exactly where you, where you were when that happened, when you saw the images on TV. And I saw the images of the school, and it didn't even move me. I felt nothing. Because I was so depleted. And I sat there on the side of the bed looking at those images, and I started wondering, what am I becoming? Who am I? What is going on in my life that it doesn't even, like, move me? Recreation that once gave me energy was in, kept me alive was, like, no more. And so I'm asking you a question tonight. If, if you gauged, if you gauged your spiritual tank, where is it? Is it full? Is it half? Or is it empty? Is it full and you're operating life out of an overflow of spiritual disciplines, of life journaling and life groups and... and uh, and in ministry and, and all of those other things? Are you like at half tank where you say, you know what, I, I think I have some work to do? Are you like running on empty? If you're running on empty, you got, you got some work to do. Which is, see, which is why what Paul was saying, all of us need streams of replenishment. See, that's why our vision statement means so much to me. That, to see people encouraged and forgiven and set free, empowered, and serving God in the way he designed them. And all of us have to take responsibility for the streams of replenishment that come into our life, that continue to pour into our lives, so that we do not grow weary in doing good. What are the streams of re re replenishment? It's like learning to, learning to life journal and learning to reflect on Scripture and learning to have those times to where you, to you look at your life and, 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 and hear from God. Life groups where you got community, healthy community around you, recreation and, and healthy relationships. I mean, for me, these are so important. Life journaling and family and, and healthy relationships and, and recreation. But, but listen, I'm responsible for this so I can serve. I mean, when he says, and let us... Let us not grow weary of doing good, but look at this, Romans 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 10. 
Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. You know what Paul's saying in Romans? Paul's saying in Galatians? It is, this is your responsibility. It is not my responsibility as your pastor to like keep your, your bucket full or keep your, 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 your spiritual tank full. The Bible has made it very, very clear that it's, it's, it's our responsibility. The spiritual disciplines. The Bible has made it very clear that, that we not only need spiritual disciplines in life, but we, we need each other. That's why life groups and that's why ministry is so important. Listen, we, we don't show up at church to, to go to church. You show up at church because, because you are the church. Because you are part of the family of the ultimate father. And we're, we're to spend our lives showing what it's like to be in relationship with the father and relationship with one another. Luke chapter 4. Jesus begins talking about this issue. And he begins talking about this issue, and, and, and Jesus quotes Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61 says, bind up the brokenhearted. You know what is really, and maybe this is why I'm so passionate about this right now. You know, you know what's really hit me hard in this season of our life? is a great awareness of the number of people that have a broken heart. Maybe it's because I've been so transparent and vulnerable of what we're walking through as a, a family, and you know the season that we're in. And I've talked about my broken past. And maybe because I've done that, it, it's unlocked something in our congregation, and people feel more free to email me, to talk to me about their hurt, about their pain, about their aches, about the things that are going on in our life. And I've become so aware of the number of broken hearts, not, even, not only in our congregation, but also in our community. And you know what? I, I pray tonight that you have such an encounter with God that when you, when you walk out of here, just a few moments, you're not the same. You're just different. That you'll pursue God like you've never pursued Him before. Because when we, when we pursue Him, everything changes in our life. It's not without challenges. It's not without heartache. It's not without times of brokenness, loneliness, deep hurt. But He has promised. He will... He will never leave you. That's why we want to see people encouraged and forgiven and set free, empowered and serving in the way God designed them. And one of the things God wants for us is for us to, to be a family and that we would love one another, we'd serve one another. In, in the last part of Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, he's praying for his followers, but he's also praying for us. And he's praying that we, we would love one another. He's praying that, that, we, that we, would, we would know the Father and that we would, we would be the family of the Father. 
and that we would, we would be perfected by his, his word and allow his word to transform our lives and, and where we would love one another the same way that he loves us and that the world would know. The world would know that we are his disciples because of the way we love one another, the way we serve one another. I, I don't know if you know this or not. But the majority of our community, and we're no different than any other community in the U.S. There's all kinds of statistics on this, and everybody disagrees over the percentage, but it's a high percentage. So let's just say this. The majority of the people in our community have no plans to attend a church. The majority of our community, they don't even know church an answer. I'm telling you. We live in a post-Christian era when the majority of the people in our community, when they have a need, when they have a hurt, when they have a pain, when they have a problem, they don't even consider the church has an answer. Church, for them, is not even like on the radar. You know who they turn to? They turn to a friend. They turn to a self-help book. Uh, they turn to a bar. They turn to self-medicate themselves. They turn to another relationship or whatever. They don't even know church is an answer. They, they drive by churches all the time, and they're really not sure what goes on in there. They're really not sure why it's even relevant. If you don't believe me, go across the street to Applebee's. I think it's that way. It's not that way, is it? I... <laughs> I should never point anywhere in my life unless I could see it. <laughs> go to Applebee's and go table to table. And just ask them, hey, were you guys considering going to church tonight? Are you guys considering going to church tomorrow? And you, you know what you'll find? It's not even on their radar. They're not even. This is what the Global Leadership Summit has done for us. You know what now? There's a lot of people. That this is becoming, church is becoming on their radar. I can't give you the details because I don't know many of the details. But after the Global Leadership Summit, I picked up a voicemail from a state politician. Said, hey, we heard about the Global Leadership Summit. Is there any way you could meet with us? And see how you could help with a problem that we're facing. We live in a post-Christian era. That's why Paul says, do not give up in doing good. For those outside the church, and especially those in the household of the faith, that we're, we're to serve people in our church and outside of our church. What, what if we went into the world? What if we went into our community and built relationships with them, served them, connected with them, and simply brought them into the community and into the into the kingdom? We'd break down some walls. The first thing is this: if you, if you're not going to grow weary in doing good, you practice spiritual disciplines. The second thing is this: operate within your spiritual gifts. You have to operate within your spiritual gifts. Another thing that, that will, will help you not to grow weary in doing good 
has to do with this issue of spiritual gifts where the, the Holy Spirit, the moment that you become a Christian, gives you, distributes spiritual gifts so that you could, so that you could serve the body. There's like 18 to 19 different spiritual gifts depending on whose list you look at. Some say this is duplicate, duplicate uh, gift and some say no, they're unique gifts. And so there's somewhere between 18 to 19 spiritual gifts. And so what happens is, is when you and I, when we identify our spiritual gifts and you begin to operate in your, your primary gift, when you begin to operate in your spiritual gift, that, that, what, that there's joy in that. And it helps you not to become weary in doing good. When you operate in your top spiritual gifts, it actually, listen, I'm telling you, it actually gives you energy. When you operate, I mean, in your gift, in your area of giftedness, you cannot wait to do it again. When, 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 when God uses you in someone's life and you know it, I mean, you cannot wait to do that again. And listen, if, if you do not know your spiritual gift, we want to help you. That's what the journey is all about. One of the things that we do in the journey is we identify spiritual gifts. We help you determine your gifts. But that, listen, that's just kind of a launching pad. That's just a starting point. And once you know your spiritual gift, you got to do something with it. It's kind of like, to me, and, I, and I'm simple, it's kind of like knowing your spiritual gift and then standing on a diving board in a, in, in a swimming pool. The area to, to, to serve. And all of a sudden, you know what? You have to come to the point when you know your gift to, to, to make the decision to like, to like risk and to like jump. I mean, I don't know if you've ever taught kids to, to swim or our, our grandsons. Um, Karen and I, we love to swim with our grandkids. And so uh, here recently, uh, at the start of the summer, I taught Gavin, the oldest, and Micah how to do a cannonball. And I mean, it's just it's great fun. Um, and Gavin was easy. You just kind of, sh- you, you get Gavin there, you do it once and a couple of times, and then Gavin doesn't want any help. He wants you to in the pool so he knows he, he doesn't want to drown, and so, uh, but he at least wants you in the pool, but he, he, he wants no more help. Micah, totally different. Micah, I'd show him over and over and over, and so uh, and then, then Micah got to where we'd just laugh so hard, and I'll, I'll say it the way Micah would say it. Uh, he'd get out of the pool, he'd run around to the side of the pool, and he'd go, Pop, pop, cannonball with hands. And what that, what that meant was I came over to the side. He really didn't do a cannonball. He kind of did a lunge or a fall or whatever. I don't know. And so he'd get to the side, and I'd reach up my hands. He would grab my hands, and he would, like, ease into the pool. <laughs> You know, there's two different types of people when they learn their spiritual gifts. Some of you, hey, just tell me what my gift is. I'm, go- I'm, I'm going to jump. I'm, I'm going to find out. I'm going to serve. And then, but some of you, you know what? You, you want with hands. You want, we're willing to do that. We're willing to help you. Because it's so important to your, your spiritual life. Where you come to that place and say, I'm just going to take a risk. And I'm going to use the gifts that God has given me, that God has entrusted me with, to serve someone else. You'll never get the rewards that God has promised you until you do that. You you want to see God using you in your life? It's like serve. Paul said when we started out this series together that we fit together perfectly. In other words, that when we see the good that needs to be done, and there's no one there to do it, 
we don't fit together perfectly. I talk to people all the time who say, well, I tried that. I learned my spiritual gift. I got to the diving board. I jumped off, and it didn't work out so well for me, so I got out of the pool. This is not new information to me. That's why I said, well, I'll help you. Sometimes it takes moving around the pool. Sometimes it's a process, and we'll help you. Because I'll ask people, so what'd you do? And they say, well, I, I just got out of the pool. Well, what are you doing now? I'm, I'm doing nothing. That's what Paul's talking about. Do not become weary in doing good. For you will reap, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. For me, just for me, I'll be careful with this statement, how's that? For me, it's not really a matter how much scripture you know. How often you life journal. How often you sing good, good father, spirit of the living God. If that doesn't translate into finding your spiritual gift, diving off a board and using that gift, I'm not impressed. Man, we've made Christianity so much about like the head and about knowledge. Man, I get it, I understand. So many times when we get out of the pool and we get into the beach chair, it's so comfortable and it's hard to get back in the game. But I encourage you tonight, if you've gotten out of the pool, into the beach chair, get back in the pool. The third and the last thing is understanding spiritual formation. Understanding spiritual formation I think there's a, there's a dangerous model in this area of, of doing good. I think there's a dangerous model of how people view serving and how people move, uh, view ministry. There's some people that look at serving and look at a ministry as like, it's like for them, it's like, it's like, it's like a burden. And they say, well, it's just, it's just too heavy. I mean, I, I got all these other burdens. I got all these other burdens in my life. And, and so now you're like just putting one more burden on me. And I think that's a very dangerous model. I think that's a very dangerous view of, of ministry. And so, so people say, because it's a burden, it's just it's, it's too heavy for, for me to bear. And so as a result of that, I just I, I can't see and I can't serve. And so this person doesn't see it as an opportunity to serve. Because remember, Paul used that word, opportunity. So this person doesn't see it as an opportunity to serve. Um, 
which is an opportunity really. You know what it really is? It's really not an opportunity to, to serve as much as it's an opportunity to grow your heart and to grow love. A little bit of theology just real quickly. When, when you become a Christian, the Bible says that your, your heart is like, before you become a Christian, your heart is like dead to the, the things of God. The Bible even says that before you become a Christian, your heart is like dead. And so you didn't care about God. You didn't care about the things of God. You didn't, you didn't worship God. At Ephesians chapter 2, if you want a reference, if you want something to read. And so in other words, what, what the scripture says is like your heart was small. So when you become a Christian, God, God like gives you like a new heart. But, but, but it's still tiny. It's still tiny to things of God. And then through the, the teaching of God's word, and then through, through worship, being a part of a life group or being part of a church, all of a sudden, you, you start to feel like your, your heart begins to grow. And the way spiritual formation works, what the Scripture talks about, the way spiritual formation actually works, is that the longer you hang around with God, and the longer you say yes to the Holy Spirit when He gives you an opportunity to serve, that your capacity for love increases. Where it becomes like this joy to serve. To where all of a sudden, you start, you start seeing needs, you start seeing it, and it begins to bother you. I, I, I can't believe what it would be like to go to bed without food. I can't believe what it would be like not to have enough supplies for a backpack. I cannot believe what it would be like to come to a church and there's no one there to welcome you or greet you. I cannot believe what it would be like to want to learn the things of God and study Scripture and learn Scripture. And nobody is there to teach them. See, spiritual formation happens when we take the knowledge, when we take scripture, and we begin to apply it. And then all of a sudden, our capacity to love begins to grow. And when this happens in your life, you use the same words like Paul did. Paul says, when you see an opportunity to serve, when you see an opportunity to do good, see, it's not a burden to you. It, it, it's, an it's an opportunity. It's a, it, see, there's a difference in burden and doing that's why Paul said in Galatians 6, 9, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So what, what is this reward business? Truthfully, I, I don't have the total answer. It doesn't say God's going to reward you with a stack of cash. It doesn't say God's going to reward you with more years added to your life. There's several places I get it, I understand, where Scripture says that if you do this, God's going to bless you in this area. I understand that. I, I, I get that. It says if you do these things, I'll pour my favor out on your life. But I, I tell you this, just as testimony, as I have tried in my life, and, and I'm telling you, there's some seasons of my life, it's, it's, been, it's been a fight. And I've had to double down with spiritual disciplines. And practices. But when I've continued to do, what, to do good, without giving out and getting out of the pool, I've felt the favor of God on my life. I've been protected from some terrible things. Doors have opened for me that should have never opened. 
We as a family, we've had family blessings that literally have taken our breath to way, away. Even in season, seasons of sickness and difficulty. And I feel the Lord has rewarded me. Even though this evening I cannot point to, because I did this, he did that. I've just felt like I've lived a God-rewarded life every day. And if you've slipped, you can make a decision tonight to get out of the beach chair and into the pool. You know how to live a blessed life? Live to serve and bless others. And just to make a commitment. that I am not going to become weary or grow weary in doing good. Because can I tell you this? If you give up, you're working against the power and the grace of God in your life who has promised to carry you through difficult times. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?